Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello to all you InterVarsity alumni out there. I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, the podcast that's just for you. And if you're one of our brand new 2022 alumni listeners, a special welcome to you. Today, we're continuing on in our six-part series, How to Be the Post-College Goat. That's right. You thought I was joking last week when I played that over and over again, didn't you? Thought it was one of my famous John pranks. Well, I'm here to tell you that I'm totally committed to that sting for the rest of this series. And what exactly is the series about, you might wonder? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's about... How to be the post-college goat. Never gets old. Okay, for real though, this six-part series is a compilation of interviews meant to help you recent grads in particular navigate some of the early challenges of life after college. Last week, we started the series with a conversation about some best practices for making the most of your 20s. In following weeks, we'll discuss job application and interview strategies, how to be a solid employee once you get hired, and tips for wise money habits. For this week, though, we're talking about how to lock down a church. We know that finding a church after college, especially if you've moved to a totally different area for work or the next stage of education, can be a real challenge. Well, today we're revisiting my chat with Steve, a Normandale Community College alumnus and a pastor in the Twin Cities area of Minnesota. And Steve is going to share with us some of the reasons behind the struggle to find a church in the first place and some simple, helpful tips for both finding the right church and being a contributing member of the congregation once you get there. So. I hope you're ready to hear from my good friend, Steve, because I'm ready to introduce you. Here he is. This one's for you, alumni. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, John. It's good to be here. I'm happy to have you here. Steve, tell us just a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so I am an adult ministries and groups pastor in the Twin Cities area and involved with overseeing our different small groups and helping to find curriculum for them, and then also helping to foster and care for our different adult ministries, basically those who are 18 through adulthood. We'll get there in just a little bit, but I'm excited to hear just a little bit about some of your experience with young adults, in particular people that are in a post-college or very recently post-college experience and some of the challenges that they face and challenges that the church faces as well, learning how to not just coexist, but thrive together in that space. And we'll get there. But as we do with all of our InterVarsity alumni, I like to hear a little bit about the good old days. So tell me, what did you study when you were in school and when did you graduate? I've had kind of a lengthy time of schooling at different (laughs) places. So I went to Normandale Community College in Bloomington, Minnesota for my general credits. And I studied small business management and field biology. And then that's where I was involved with InterVarsity and then went on to Northwestern College, now University of Northwestern St. Paul for my bachelor's in biblical studies, and then on to the Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky for a master's in Christian ministry. And tell me, the time that you spent studying field biology at Normandale, is that where all of your 
extreme knowledge of every bird in the state of Minnesota and <laughs> every plant. Is that where that comes from? Uh, in part. For those who are watching, John has watched me pick up things and eat them <laughs> off of trees and out of <laughs> yards. And I'm a little strange that way. So, <laughs> And in several other ways, but <laughs> as we all are. Okay, so then tell me the story about how you got plugged into InterVarsity. Well, going to Normandale, trying to find a place to belong. You know, you're going into college for the first time and poking around and finding out what are you interested in and how do you fit in this new place. And so I'd go to the college center and study there. And I noticed there was this big group of people that would hang out in the college center. This group seemed really tight knit and really liked hanging out with each other. And one of them came over one day and named Michael and said, hey, we're in a varsity Christian fellowship, what would you think about coming and joining us for a meeting? And being a believer, feeling that call and tug toward ministry, but kind of finding my way, it was like, yeah. So I started attending meetings and got plugged in with a number of friends. And so really felt at home there. So you're just sitting in this place and there's this group meeting and somebody just comes over and invites you to be a part of the group. I'd love to know what it's like to be a natural gatherer and inviter, not my strong suit whatsoever. Thank goodness for people like Michael. So tell me a story or a story or two about something that was particularly meaningful or just very memorable about your time with InterVarsity. So we started to do a lot of life together. We'd go play a Nintendo 64 at that time. Nice. That dates Golden me. Eye. <laughs> yeah, GoldenEye, you know it. And then uh, we'd go and do retreats together. So some really memorable times. So there were just these different opportunities where we could get away, take some time, get into the word together, talk life. How do we apply these things? You know, the, the stuff of life and doing that together was really cool. Going through your couple of years with InterVarsity, but then you have multiple stages in your education of transitioning from one school to the next to the next as you're making those transitions, both away from InterVarsity and then your eventual total graduation from school, did you have expectations for what these transitions were going to be like? And what was reality like? Yeah. So I guess I tend to be a bit of an idealist. I don't know that I set definite expectations. It's got to look like this, but you kind of get that eye in the sky viewpoint of how things are going to look in the future. And it usually doesn't end up quite that way. I've been very fortunate that some of my friends from Normandale University have stayed friends. We're talking about 20-ish years now. Um, yeah, boy, that, yeah, I'm old. Um, <laughs> we've stayed friends and are still involved in each other's lives. And that's pretty awesome. We've been purposeful about maintaining those friendships. As I transitioned away from Normandale and InterVarsity, because there wasn't a chapter at University of Northwestern St. Paul, and there wasn't one down at Southern, there, there was something that was lost, definitely. And honestly, my focus had to become far more academic. It was a wildly different experience at Northwestern, where I had hundreds of pages due by first day. Then... You go on to seminary, and there was one semester I had 9,000 pages of reading for one class, by the way. It was crazy. So <laughs> that's brutal. <laughs> it was. And so, yeah, I didn't have time for a lot of the extracurriculars and the hangouts that I did at first. And then moving out of college and seminary, 
the infrequence of being able to have that kind of community really hit hard. Whether you're at InterVarsity or you're at seminary, you're still kind of in the life of ideas. You get together, you go out to lunch, you have dinners with people, you you talk about life, theology, faith, you know, all these things. There's that richness to it. And then you move out from that and it's like that all goes away and you have to fight to find it. And that was different than expected. Yeah much harder to find those places where you can connect with people on a deep, consistent level. So continuing to draw this line from there to your experiences as a pastor, even that experience of far less time when you stepped into cemetery, cemetery. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Freudian slip there, my friend. (laughs) See, this is why we edit. (laughs) I don't think you should edit that out. That's awesome. All right. Take two. Um, <laughs> when you stepped into seminary and the change in the space in your schedule and the rhythm of life there as far as engaging with community versus the amount of time needed for nose in the book, prepping, learning, uh, work to be done. Does that carry on into the life of a pastor or has that shifted to where you have more space for deeper levels of community? Coming out of seminary and going into ministry, I was surprised, I guess, that that actually became an even bigger struggle and an even bigger fight to try to maintain. There's so much of the administrative, there's so much of the just day-to-day operational kind of thing in ministry that you can really get separated from the very people that you're trying to serve. And so I think Most people don't really realize that, but there's a lot that pastors are doing behind the scenes just to even make a Sunday morning happen. And then there are funerals and there are other extra things. And there's the fight to try to keep the life of the mind and to read and to grow as an individual and as a pastor to be a good shepherd, following the good shepherd. And then also, how do we maintain life with people? And that is something that I think is really hard for a lot of pastors. I think a lot of pastors feel kind of lonely. I think they feel separated from the very people that they're trying to serve. There are these funky layers that can sometimes get set up. I think sometimes the moral falls that we see um, is because there isn't close relationship and accountability and digging into the life of the body that we would ask the people in our congregations to do. And that was sort of natural when you were involved with InterVarsity. Well, I would imagine when you're in InterVarsity as a peer with other people, you're, and you're at a very similar stage of life, that you're on sort of a level playing field with many of those people as far as sharing life, the good and the bad and the ugly. But then when you're a pastor, I imagine that there's a significant level of, maybe I would even call it hero worship that can go on of this is a pastor, this is a person who knows the Bible inside and out. They do everything right all the time. And it feels almost like this this pedestal that people are put on. So then as you're talking about your own faith development and what it looks like to engage with a congregation after these different phases of life, I'd love to hear more from a 
pastor's perspective who has spent time working with young adults and people beyond that stage as well, who are experiencing some of these same things, maybe not through the lens of a pastor, but who are figuring out what does it look like for me to keep growing in my faith and how do I engage well with a congregation? Because something that I'm learning as I'm having these conversations with people it sounds to me that a lot of young people in particular, post-college, post-university, even people who are motivated to follow Jesus, and then all across the spectrum are really struggling when it comes to connecting with a church and feeling like a part of that church. Is that something that you've seen? And if so, from your conversations and your experience, do you have some insight on what it is that's making that difficult for people? Yeah, those are really awesome questions. Yes, I do see that. I see that a lot. Sometimes there's this gap, even for believing people who've gone through college, they've been involved with a Christian organization on campus, and then they leave college, and suddenly that support structure, that faith community, everything that they found on campus has gone away. They've graduated. They may move for a job, and now they're alone. And they may try to find a church. And the church may have a young adults or young professionals ministry, and they may not. And my heart goes out to those people. And I think there's a lot of things that go into that on the church's side, on the paraministry side, and on the individual side. And so I'd love to break that down as briefly as I can. On the individual side, I think we're being trained in a culture that has told us it's all about us. And so whether we mean to or not, we can become consumeristic about our faith and about how we experience Jesus and the context in which we do that, i.e. church or even paraministry. So, you know, when we go to a campus, you had InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, you had navigators, you had crew, you had a batch of different faith-based organizations on campus and did an awesome job of trying not to compete with each other and to try to be like, I want to speak highly of this other ministry. We're in this together. It's about discipleship and raising up souls. But there is still this sort of like options A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And people sort of choose, and well, what's the flavor of this one? And I might hop between the different ones in order to find the thing that I'm looking for. And not all of that is inherently bad. It's just we've been trained to approach our faith community that way. And so when we find the thing on campus, that can become our full expression of involvement in a faith family. And then it becomes a little unnatural. You really need to be involved in a church. Get to know people at different age groups. Serve in your local church body. Get known, allow people to speak into your life there, and then come here too and, and be part of this because you're introducing people to the reality of the local church for better or for worse, but it's going to feel very different from your experience on campus. On the other side of things, so I'm going to look at the church side of things, I think sometimes there's been a competitive spirit toward para ministries and like, oh, they're pulling away from us, or we'll just give up to them what we could be doing discipleship-wise here. Sure. They're the experts in campus ministry, so let's just funnel resources to them to do it. Right. So then we're not training our people in churches to raise up the next generation. 
And so when that next generation finally does come in, whether that's right out of college or maybe in college, then there's nobody to mentor them. And I hear that all the time of younger people saying, where are the older people who will speak into our lives? I'm suddenly struggling in how to raise my own children. I'm struggling in how to handle my job and stay a believer while in an antagonistic circumstance. And it's sort of like, well, we've trained people not to do that. And so there's a consumerism that really goes across all the generations that make it about me and not about the other. And so I know that sounds like I'm bagging on people here, and that's not really how I mean it, but there are places where we can grow. Let me just say, I agree that all of this is for the sake of honoring and wanting to encourage people into next steps, Uh, because it can be so easy to step out of a context that feels familiar, like InterVarsity or another campus ministry, and to go check out the local church or multiple local churches and say like, it doesn't check the boxes for me. And so I'm going to check out the next one, the next and the next one. And then none of them are InterVarsity or fill in the blank campus ministry. And people can just get frustrated and then say, well, I'm just done. And I guess church just isn't really a helpful thing for me. And that's really sad because we believe that The church is the vehicle that God has chosen for accomplishing his purposes. So I would be interested to know, what would you recommend for people who are listening to this, who are feeling that sense of, I cannot figure out how to get plugged in. I don't know what to do. And I'm frustrated from striking out so many times. So first of all, I'd like to challenge people to be aware of some of the times where we're being consumeristic, where we go, oh, I only want the place that already has this provided or has staffers who are focused on that thing, and they're going to do all that work for me. The reality is if everybody approached it that way, no ministry would ever be done. When you're entering into the church life, come with a let's do this together attitude and recognize there will be challenges. Some ideas you may have might get initially shot down, or it might have to be compromised with somebody else's, or we've got to figure out how it fits within the context of the larger church vision. That doesn't mean that your suggestion is bad. It just means we have to consider all of these different things that are happening all at once and how different ministries function together. And so if we kind of keep those things in mind, And we come in with a willingness to go, okay, I'm willing to compromise to an extent and I'd love to be involved. Then there's, it's going to be much easier to get involved, to become part of the community. And then my second suggestion is really fight hard to be known, which means getting to know other people. What I tell our older people is look for people to actively mentor. I say to our younger people, look for people you can be mentored by. And, you know, in some cases, I've found older people are not always able to mentor well. And some of our younger people are, you know, maybe young person coming out of an on-campus ministry, you've been discipled, you've been mentored well, you've been taught how to divide scripture well, you're applying these things to your life, and you're coming into a context where That's a challenge for some people. Maybe you're the one to keep your head on the swivel for people that you can mentor of differing ages. Now, do that with humility. Do it with uh, love and care and not just like, I know everything. 
like the young seminarian who, uh, <laughs> you know, and come in with some humility and recognize that there are things you can learn from them too. We talked earlier about people trying to check off boxes for the churches that they're in. How would you help people in making discernments of, is this a congregation that foundationally I can agree with and the places that I disagree or that I don't like, are those worth sticking around and just sort of powering through with the congregation as they're figuring out how they do ministry? Or are those things that are worth moving on to the next church? What are helpful ways for making that decision for do I stay or do I go? Yeah, so I, I have a pretty robust view of that because as somebody in ministry, as you're getting hired into a church, all of those things are really important. We need to recognize that a church is not necessarily, or at least shouldn't be a monolith, meaning it, it shouldn't just, you know, we determined our exact stances on everything we were going to do 50 years ago, and we're going to stick with that. Because context changes, because society changes, the culture around us changes, we necessarily have to change not what we hold to doctrinally necessarily, but our expression of that, the how to do that into the world. So just recognize, first of all, that when you're checking out a church, where they're at in the moment that you check them out, there's been a process to get there, and there's going to be a movement forward from there. As you become part of that church, you can be part of the thing that moves us. And that has a lot to do with the attitudes of the staff. It has a lot to do with the attitudes of the congregation. So that should right there tell us figuring out the attitude and the ethos of the church is important. Who makes the decisions? How are they made? What's the process? Will help you to know if you can become part of this church and be part of moving it along in a healthy, godly direction. Next thing is, for yourself, as far as agreement, hopefully the church has their statement of faith on their website, how a church holds to their doctrinal statement and how they actually put it into practice is sometimes different than what you might expect. So it's important then to go in and visit, get a feel for worship, get a feel for their sermons, how the pastor preaches, get a feel for maybe how the congregation relates to each other and with you, but then go to whatever they've got for new people as soon as you can. And then ask questions. Look at that statement of faith. Do you already agree with all those things? Do you have any questions about how that's put into practice in the life of the body? Write down questions, bring them to that class and then ask those things and see how they answer them and see if they hem and haw and get tense and, you know, <laughs> or whatever. A lot can be said without being said. So be mindful of what you're seeing online. Be mindful of what you are sensing when you go into a place. You don't want to be overly critical. Like I said, all churches are in progress and sometimes there are extenuating circumstances for not doing everything perfectly. So have some grace, but ask good questions that make people kind of stop, think, and, and answer more fully. Wow, that's really helpful. I would also add to that, if you do find a place that you say, I think we're committed to being here, my recommendation would be find a place to volunteer as soon as you can. One, because the church needs you. It doesn't matter if that church has 10,000 people going to it or not. Your church needs you just as much as you need your church. And it doesn't have to be like 
So I lead worship. Step one for me does not need to be getting on the worship team. At our current church, my first place of serving was greeting at the door. And that was it. It was fun because I got to do it with my whole family. And it was the first time that all three of us had served together in this very simple way that does not require some extensive skill set to do. Volunteering doesn't have to be this, all right, what is the deepest level of commitment that I can find? It may be something as simple as holding the door open for someone and that that's what starts getting you connected to what's going on in this church and getting a feel for what it looks like to be a participating member of the church. Previous church experiences, it took me a long time before I got plugged in. And guess what? It took me a long time as a result to feel like a part of that church. But once I started getting plugged into these places, you start developing relationships at a different level. And with your pastors as well. That's what's really cool. It just creates more opportunities for face-to-face time with your pastors which is not the only thing that's important, but it is important to actually get to know your pastors. So anybody that's volunteering or thinking about volunteering at the church, what you are doing or what you would be doing matters. Not only on a Sunday morning, but long after people walk out the doors, you are a part of bringing people in and sending them out well. And that's a huge part of what we're doing in our local congregations. I feel like we've already given a lot of really tangible, helpful information for people. But as we're thinking about, in particular, people that are just a few years out of graduation here, or maybe somebody that's just getting ready to graduate at the end of the semester who could be listening to this, is there anything that you would tell someone who is in that phase of life that you wish you had known? Listen when people give you the warnings about it being different than you expect it to be. It will be harder to make money than you expect. It will be harder to get into community than you expect. It will be harder to serve than you expect. There will be more challenges than you expect, but it will also be richer than you expect. As many of the challenges that you will face, you will find a depth and a joy, if you're intentional to find it. You will find those things And it will make all the difference in the world to you. And you will maybe hold on to smaller things than you were hoping for, but you'll hold on to them more dearly and they'll mean more to you. And when you're faithful with those and you value those rightly, the Lord increases them and they branch out into different ways than you could have ever possibly imagined. And it's pretty amazing to see. Man, that's a good word. Thanks a lot, Steve. Believe it or not, people listening, these are the kind of conversations that Steve and I just have like all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I really do believe that the friendship that I have with Steven is it with Steven. I didn't, I didn't, if I called you Steven, it was not on purpose. The kind of friendship that I have with you is, is possible for people to have with the leaders in their church. And it really is just a matter of pursuing real life friendship with the people around them. Man, it makes your church experience so much more joyful when you realize that you are able to connect with other people who are experiencing a lot of the same things that you are. So Steve, thanks so much for being a part of this journey with us, for giving your words of wisdom and life experience. Well, thank you, John. It really was a joy. I really appreciate it. So thanks. This makes me think of the times that my wife, Caitlin, and I made any major purchases after marriage. Cars, appliances, a house, whatever it was, there was a very thoughtful process that went on in preparation to buy it. 
We asked around, we did research, we talked to experts, we did walkthroughs and test drives, we tried to cover all the angles and make an informed decision, and then we either walked away and kept looking, or committed and made the purchase. None of the things we bought were perfect, some of the imperfections we knew about going into it, some we didn't learn about until after using it for a while, and especially in the case of a car or house, there was regular maintenance and upkeep that we did to actively keep the thing in good shape. Based on what Steve said here, it sounds like locking down a church is kind of the same. It requires effort, research, doing some test drives and walkthroughs. Sometimes you walk away and sometimes you make the commitment. In every church, there are imperfections, some known and others unknown until a later time. And if you want a peak church experience, you need to be an active part of the upkeep. As with so many challenging things, the solution really isn't rocket science. It's a few simple practices that, when combined with grace and humility, will help you find a church community that's a great mutual fit. It won't be perfect, but hey, neither are the rest of us. And even in its imperfection, it just might be the place where Jesus is inviting you to experience growth and to be a part of the growth of others. Steve, thanks again for being on the podcast. I appreciate you, brother. Well, that's it for today. Come on back next week for a very special interview. You're going to get to hear from none other than... How to be the post-college... Nope, nope, nope. Sorry, wrong cue there. Let's try that again. You're going to get to hear from none other than boss lady, HR queen, and Mrs. After Four herself, Caitlin Steele. That's right. My wife, Caitlin, a Minnesota State Mankato alumna, is going to join us on the podcast to tell us all about how to put together a killer resume, fill out an application like you actually know what you're talking about, and interview like a champ. She's going to help you get the job and probably also make fun of me at the same time. You don't want to miss it. So be sure to subscribe, download, and get notified about new episodes when they drop. You can also follow us on socials at After4Pod. All right, we'll leave it there for now. Until next week, see you in the after, alumni. How to be the post-college goat.